Hello and welcome to A Journey Through Fantasy. On this episode, we'll be covering uh, book three of the Powder Mage Trilogy, The Autumn Republic, chapters 20 through 28. My name is Patrick. This is Matt, and you just heard Patrick do it first time. No mess-ups, no giggling. I'm proud. I mean, I guess I guess early Saturday mornings are, are Patrick's. Patrick's in time. Like, you're in the zone. I'm a little nervous because, uh, as you noticed, I didn't mention who wrote the book because we have in the studio right now with us Brian McClellan. Hey, what's up, Brian? Crickets. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We do not have Brian McClellan. Um, uh, but we have him in spirit because we're talking about his works. Um, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. I really liked these episodes a lot. There's some really interesting moments. Some These and- episodes, I like them too. Oh, fudge. Uh, I like these chapters. Let me tell you what. I like these chapters a lot because these chapters, uh, you know, there's a lot of nice, cool stuff. So let's get into them. Chapter 20. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, So Tamis is reading over the events of the battle since he was not there. Uh, But he's pretty sure that word will spread that he wasn't there. Um, But he said, that's fine. You know, as long as, you know. That as long as there's some while. distance, yeah, a lo- yeah. As long as there's some distance between the two, he even mentions that you know, a several hundred people know now. So you know, it's it's gonna get out. <laughs> um, Is that not already out? I feel like that's kind of already out. Yeah, that's out. That's out. I, I mean, what? What? You know, another thousand? That's kind of out. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't even know several hundred people. So I mean, that's my whole network. The entire city of Adipest knows. <laughs> um, <laughs> All one hundred. So uh, he he just you know he's he's looking for Olam. He decides to go look for him. But before he leaves to go look for Olam, he asks uh, for someone to go get Adamat. If Adamat is awake, to have him meet him in half an hour. Because um, bullshit. It... <laughs> I'd be so pissed if I were Adamat. It's eleven thirty at night, by the way. Yeah, but well, he he did say if he's asleep, leave him be. He did say if that. If he's asleep, leave him be. Um, and so, uh, but they but they arrive to where the you know the rifle jacks are and uh he's wondering where olam is no and they he tell leaves him, he calls for adamat and then he yeah. leaves yeah yeah he goes to where the yeah he goes to where the rifle jacks are yeah. like he leaves his tent but the rifle jacks say that he's sleeping uh and he of course tamas knows that olam's knack is he doesn't sleep <laughs> so <laughs> we knew exactly what he was doing um and he kind of barges into the tent and there's olam and flora I don't know what is with these two, though, because both times Tamis has walked in on them, Olam's only been stripped from the waist up. Do they not know how to have fun? <laughs> Do they not know how to have fun? I mean, she, uh, was, she was, so yeah, Thomas walks in. Uh, I did want to mention that when he was reading the reports, he said that Vlores was like the best out of all the general staff, like the most comprehensive. And then he also read Adamat's report, and that's why he said leave him asleep because he deserves his rest. Yeah. Um, also, the battle was called Battle for Ned's Creek. Ned's Creek. Ned's Creek runs through the battlefield. That's the really, uh... really inventive folks, the Adrians. But <laughs> um, yeah, he he's a he's an Olam's like little, I guess bedroom something, and yeah, yeah he notices it. Olam, you know, doesn't have a shirt on or whatever, but uh, maybe this is just something that Brian McClellan has miswrote because he always says it uh, clothed from the pants down. 
That's how he writes it. So maybe he means he's, I, I don't know. I'm interpreting, I'm interpreting it as he's got his shirt off. Um, maybe he, he goes, means that he's Winnie the Pooh in it. And he's, that's what I'm thinking. I think he thinks <laughs> that he's Winnie. I think the way he's writing it is, I don't know. I'm picturing his intention is Winnie the Pooh in it. But when I read it, I'm picturing Pooh and the Winnie. Pooh and um, the Winnie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he goes, hey, man, I'm just looking for Vlora. And uh, Vlora pops her head out of the sheets and goes, what's up? What's up, Captain? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he he asked her to come out you know, and talk. And um, uh, he, you know, promotes her to to Colonel. So she's she's got a promotion uh, because it, uh, no, was, I'm sorry, you're in the zone. I'm I'm out the zone. He uh um and I think you know because we had that situation where Olam didn't want to be a colonel and they thought maybe it's because he's a colonel and she's not and it would keep them from from fraternizing. But now they're both colonels, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, we we uh, I do I think it's a good moment between Vlora and him, though. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Because Vlora comes out, you know, still putting like her clothes on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, lacing up her boots, whatever. Then he's kind of just been like, whatever. He goes, well, before you get on to me, and he goes, what? I'm not gonna get on to you. Yeah. And it's just like a uh, he's like, I don't approve of it. That's correct, but this isn't the time or place for that and you know it is what it is and uh yeah. thomas said internally he says he wanted to what uh give her a hug or tell her you know that he approves of her or something like that yeah something to that but effect where he could Vlora gives her him a hug yeah and the kind of the i for the first time i see that fatherly the father-daughter relationship that Tamis always talks about. Yeah, yeah. And she sure. she's she's like crying a little bit, like tears in her eyes as she's like hugging him, you know, and she says thank you. And that's the, yeah, that's the end of the chapter, isn't it? No, uh, we we get a we get a, a perspective change. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. The way I have it broken down is by perspectives, and I was yeah, just, yeah that's right. Yeah, so Adam at uh, he he he's waiting for Tamis. It's already midnight, so he's been waiting for an hour. That's um, why I'm saying it's some bullshit. You call yeah. for me at eleven o'clock at night. You better be there. You best be there now. I don't care if you're Field Marshal Thomas. I'm a hard ass, and I walk <laughs> away. I'm Field Marshal. Get the hell out of my face. <laughs> uh, but you know, he he thinks on on Joseph, and um, you know, thinking about that situation, he's still you know, it's it's messing with him as it should. You know, um, Tamis, I would say like. It's one of the more like uh, in the fantasy I've read, one of the more like disturbing things that a character has experienced. Yeah, you know, seeing their child be warped and warped yeah. to that degree. That's like um, I don't know if you're aware or if the listeners are aware of uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, he's a the drive-in movie critic. Uh, he and. Uh, he talks about how you you know in horror movies that you, know, <coughs> you don't um <laughs> you don't kill the you know you don't kill children you know like teenagers are fine like in, in slasher movies but you don't kill little children the only horror movie that can 
where you can put a child's life in danger is lifetime movies. Like that's the only <laughs> type of horror movie that where you can do that and get away um, with it. I guess you ain't seen hereditary then. Well <laughs> that, that, she had it coming. I, I have not seen it, but um she, I love I love the uh, You know what I'm talking about though, right? No, I don't know. Oh. I, I could have sworn we've had a conversation about hereditary. Just kidding. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I saw Midsummer, but I haven't seen Hereditary. I wouldn't have watched Midsummer. I it's too gory for me. I don't like you would, the, I don't like gore, gore, but you would you would think I I would hate it more than I did. Yeah, I, when I, you said you watched it, I was very surprised. I kind of liked the whole cliff jumping scene. Just just how shocking it was. Um but maybe I'm just getting I'm getting um oh lord maybe I'm maybe I'm just softening up in my old age and now gore doesn't bother me as much or I guess that's not softening up I'm I'm hardening up <laughs> getting hard I take a daily prescription of Viagra um <laughs> but yeah so Tamis really shows bad. up uh you know telling him he kind of just goes into the whole like you know why did you know do you know why I didn't arrest you for treachery after all that and it was before he does that though Thomas yeah. walks in and he goes, "You okay, man?" Oh, like yeah. he, he has like a whole thing. Or like, "Are you doing all right?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm doing fine." Homie's sitting in the dark in his tent. It's pitch black, <laughs> no candle on. And he goes, "We could have got you a candle, man." He literally says, "Man, we could have got you a candle, man. <laughs> we could have got you a light. What are you doing?" And 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 to even push that even further, he says he's fine, and then he continues to think on it. While Tamis is continue, starts to talk, mm-hmm. and and then like then he hears Tamis go adamant. He's like, "You realize this Tamis had been talking." Yeah. So yeah, he's really out of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he says he wasn't, that, wake, he wasn't woken up though. Like he he was awake. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't. Yeah, he's just out of it because of the Joseph thing. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, Tamis is talking about, you know, you know why did you know why didn't he arrest him for treachery? And he's basically saying that. You know, I didn't do it because it, it wasn't the time and place, and it wouldn't have helped anything. Um, but uh, but he mentions that, um, you know, he should. He he, you know, he kind of makes it sound like he's still going to do it. But then he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that now. Be, you know, because he had his own experience with almost losing Daniel, and he understands that you know anybody would do anything to get their child back. And he says he's a good man. Um, however, he's like, I still, you know need some things from you and uh you know i want and, and you know i want you to help me get rid of claremont and he's like i'm not gonna do it um I'm good my guy he even he thinks about what faye would say and he starts laughing about it and tamis is like i like what are you laughing at and he goes i was thinking about my, what my wife would say he's like what would she say she goes i'll do whatever you need <laughs> <laughs> when that's not what she would have said <laughs> um, showed up his ass but you know he he refuses to get involved anymore because he's like you know look what Vetus did to my family and he was just the messenger boy for for Claremont. Right. So what do you think Claremont can do to me? Um, so he refuses to do that, but he agrees to assist Ricard in his election in any way, you know, without really getting involved. Um, he doesn't so agree. Before. He's like, well, he says he says I'll do what I can. Yeah, but he also says. Like he asks, you know, as a lesser request to help Ricard, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do that." He like, he 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 does say that. He, I'm pretty sure he says like, 
he expresses like his desire yeah. not to do that. But then I mean, he kind of goes and says, okay, I'll do what I can. Yeah, because helping Ricard is really no different than going against Claremont because they're running against each other in an election. And that's what Adam is thinking in his head. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the meeting is kind of ended when a messenger arrives saying that the Kez is uh, king is asking for a parlay. But then we sort of jump forward to the next morning because I, I think I failed to mention that Adamat is leaving for Adapest. That's why yeah. he's wanting him to help him with Claremont in the next morning. So we get to the next morning, and before he leaves for Adapest, he um, he goes to Bo, and he admits that Joseph has been turned into a black warden and that he wants to alter the agreement that, that you know, about that. And Bo, I love that whole scene. Bo's sitting there in the fire, and he's he's smoking his pipe. Yeah. And and he's, like, saying we've got to be quiet because uh, he's, he's smoking his pipe, but he doesn't have any tobacco in it. And the first thing he does is ask Adamat, hey, bro, you got you got some tobacco? Yeah. <laughs> you get, and Adamat reaches in his jacket and gives him, like, the last of his tobacco. And he's, like, <laughs> as Adamat's explaining this, you know, he's, like, putting the tobacco in his pipe, tapping it in, you know, as he's going <laughs> I love it. It's it's great, especially for me, because I haven't smoked my pipe all year long. I think I, I haven't smoked really? since Dece- December of last year. Is that just because, or? Just hadn't had time. About- I got you. Yeah, because I'm, I mean, I have a really low addiction rate. I'm not really addicted to it, uh, tobacco at all. Um, So it's like not necessarily anything related to that. It's just, you know, there's a ritual to it. I just haven't had time with the baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't want to smell like smoke and then be with messing with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I and wish I, I could usually... say that I had a low addiction tolerance for it. Back, <laughs> in, back in college, you know, uh, when we'd go out, I would always be smoking. Um, And then one day at work, I was like, it was a really stressful day. And I thought to myself, man, I need a cigarette. I was being serious. <laughs> it wasn't even a joke. I was like, I need a cigarette. Yeah yeah and uh i stopped smoking for three and a half years after that Jeez. didn't smoke i, I don't want to mess with that i don't want to no. yeah I like, no so now i just like very 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 occasionally do it yeah and i don't do it in the summer because it's too hot so Dude, if i'm gonna that's a that's a good point too like yeah. it's it's so hot and it's so humid like it just messes with your sinuses yeah so uh if i'm gonna do it you know i, I usually I know the year 20, 2021, I probably smoked like almost every day in January. Smoked a bowl. Um, again, I'm talking about tobacco. I'm not talking about, <laughs> not talking about marijuana because I, I live in Alabama. We don't, we don't allow for that stuff now. <laughs> um, but don't smoke weed or the devil will get you. The devil or smoke weed you. or the devil. Or, that's right. I said it right the first time. Continue. <laughs> uh, but yeah so he wants to alter the agreement Adam wants to alter the agreement and uh, he thinks that Bo's gonna like balk at that but he but he's like you know I'm listening and he's like I want you to find Joseph and kill him and so um, I kind of I really like that moment because I can feel the hesitancy in Adam at about that like it's not a decision that he came to lightly you can also tell by Bo's reaction the magnanimity of it magnanimity is that i think that's right the seriousness of it like bo's like bo understands the magnitude of what he's asking because bo's normally very jokestery and he was Mm -hmm. not in that moment 
couple um, things I want to mention before we jump to 21. Yeah. Um, when Adam at sitting in the tent by himself thinking about Joseph, we get some insight into actual like how wardens are made and uh, kind of what they are. And this may be something that they've already talked about, but I had just forgotten and this was like a rehash. But wardens are basically devoid. They're, they're warped and de- created to be like devoid of their humanity. They're mm-hmm. basically like dumb they have like the mental capacity of like a toddler or something like that yeah and then they're indoctrinated to only obey uh kez leadership yeah and so um and another thing he mentions is that when he sees the uh when he sees joseph he expected to see like hatred and anger in his eyes but and this is why he wanted Bo to kill him all he saw was fear like it seemed like Joseph was being tormented. Like, yeah. like, so maybe the idea of him being completely devoid of his humanity wasn't quite there. So, but, uh, second thing, um, I didn't like the whole scene with, uh, Tamis and Animat. We got a nice endearing scene with Tamis and Laura, and then Tamis comes back and is, I don't know, it was interpreted to me as him being kind of an asshole to Animat. Yeah. You know, I could, I could still, you know, get you tried or whatever. I blame you for Saban's death, you know, when you betrayed me. Like, he says that shit. I'm like, screw you, dude. Yeah, I mean. He also keeps, he said, in the whole conversation about Claremont, he's like, we will make sure that your family's been taken care of. And Adam is like, you can't promise that. You did it before. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. this con- And that conversation was a lot more, uh, controversial isn't the right word but like they butted heads in that conversation yeah that, that, that's the most they've ever butted heads that i've that, you know in in this trilogy um we so want yeah. to skip to 21 yeah we're going on to 21 um so uh, lady w olam tamis Taniel, and nyla and you know a few others uh they make their way to the parlay with the kids um it's over in like a, a city that's close by that looks like it's been abandoned, but they don't know if it was abandoned because of the fighting or if the, or if the kids ran them out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of undetermined. Um, but they, uh, they make it to where they're meeting and I believe it's a cathedral of sorts. Yeah, or... that, that's right. And they got there before uh, the kids and the King did. And they were just making sure that there was no traps or anything. So the first yeah. part of the chapter is like, scouting reports and stuff you know yeah. about the town but when they get in there the kids are already like in the in the the cathedral yeah that's that's right they watch the yeah. kids come into town yeah. and then yeah go to the cathedral yeah and um so of course it mean it's typical both sides kind of they trade insults and trade demands um and uh, on tamas's side we got lady dub uh nyla who's sent by Bo. that annoys tamas Yes. And then uh, Taniel's there as well. And Taniel's annoyed, or Tamus is annoyed by Taniel because um, he has this conversation with him in front of everybody. You know, you were never not one of my men. He's like, yeah, but I'm a part of the Wings of Adam now. Yeah, they and have like, that he's whole just thing. Like, he's like, I thought we were over this, Taniel. Like, I thought we were over, like, you know, being a, kind of a D to Tamus. Yeah. Like, I thought we were, I don't know. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't know what was happening there. I thought they had a moment, but I think I mean I guess you know some some wounds are 
or a little too uh, too takes, deep. I guess. Take longer time to heal. Yeah, but yeah, uh, back to the parlay. Yeah, and they and uh, you know, th- there's hours of deliberation about all this, and um, so they they agree to retire and reconvene in three days' time, so they can kind of discuss these because the, the the demands that both sides are making are very ridiculous. Well, the demands that the kids are making are very ridiculous. Um, I also think like, and I'll 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 uh, I've got it bookmarked their uh, demands. Um. I also think the Adrians were a little hopeful as well. I think they were way less ridiculous, though. Yes. Um, all right. Um, he said, this war is costing both our countries millions. By the grace of our Lord Kresimir and Ippoli II, King of Tez, we extend terms of peace. We will withdraw our forces to Budvale, and the city will be ceded voluntarily to Kaz. Kez will acknowledge the autonomy of the Adrid nation and ex- in exchange will be paid the sum of 100 million krona as reparations. Okay. So they're losing territory. Uh, Kez to Budvale, they, they, uh, Kez gets. Um, uh, Adrin, Adra will have autonomy recognized by the Kez, but to get said autonomy, the Adrians have to pay them 100 million krona in reparations, even though they were the aggressors. Yeah, they don't make any sense. And Lady Dub says, you're very amusing. <laughs> um, Lady let's Dub. See. Let's see here. We're prepared to offer generous terms of our own. You'll withdraw from Adra completely, relinquishing all your false claims and recognizing our Republic with the Nine as witness. You'll ground us 10,000 acres of the amber expanse. You'll agree to 100 years of peace, again witnessed by every country in the nine. You will return every prisoner of war and grant us hostages to guarantee your agreement. Um, oh, and uh, Kez, uh, King Ippoli goes, and in return, I won't slaughter your army like a herd of mad cattle. <laughs> and one last thing uh in addition to all this you're going to hand us Kresimir yeah yeah so that's 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 very hopeful yeah that was the biggest kicker to like to me like it seems like all the other stuff seems fine I think it seems amenable I mean 10,000 acres is a lot of land but I mean they're the breadbasket Kez is the breadbasket of the whole nine like they can afford it oh yeah um so yeah, I mean, that you know they they can't come to any kind of conclusion. So, and and I'll I'll say this too. Earlier in the at the very beginning of the chapter, Tamis is kind of weighing his odds about just go ahead and and kill him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's like you know I think he holds a lot of weight on you know the idea of a truce of of the white flag of truce. So, um. But they, you know, they ride back to camp because Tamis doesn't want to stay there and and take a chance on getting surrounded. So they ride all the way back to the camp because and it's close to midnight. Um, by the time they get there, and they see fires that look to be too large to be campfires, and then on the wind they hear screams. Oh my god! And, and then Daniel takes off towards the camp, and uh, and um, uh, uh, Tamis is yelling after him. So last, it last thing, really I, last thing I'll say, and this isn't really relative to the story or all anything, yeah. but uh, Tamis uh, takes note of how much weight 
King Italy has gained. Um, the word obese is used. He'd grown morbidly obese. Oh, um, and then one of the insults, he says, come now, you're moribund, majesty. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny. You know? And then another what? thing, another thing that I thought King Italy said that was good, one of his dukes was like, you know, trying to get Tamas to apologize for something he said. And yeah. he says, uh, I just had it here, dang it. He is a man of iron. Iron does not bend and only shatters when he's talking about Tamas. He's like, don't waste your breath. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh and another thing too, uh, the uh about that meeting is Nyla really shows herself to be kind of diplomatic about it. And she she brings up good points. She does, she, but she doesn't know her place. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like she's like speaking up after Tamas tells her not to and stuff like that. And another thing is is that Daniel uh says, How's your one-eyed God? And like he's revealing that they know something about Kresimir. Yeah. He's revealing the fact that they are actively doing something to yes. prevent Kresimir. And Tamas really gets on to Daniel about this because of what he didn't say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, which brings up something I'll bring up here when we get into chapter 22. So, so in chapter 22, you know, Taniel arrives at the camp and it's a, it's a hot mess. Uh, of course he's looking for Capel and Bo cause he left Capel there, you know, for Bo to look after. And he um, notices that the, uh, the epicenter of the fires or the attack is where Bo and Capel were left. Yes. And, and and a soldier says that it was the Kez that, that attacked them. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it was the Kez. I mean, like at this point, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, could this be an, uh, a similar plot point to Alvation, where you know it's somebody disguised to look a certain way? Um, before before he saw proof of Kez, I and he heard people speaking in Kez. Um, I thought it may have been Claremont's people or even the Delev. Yeah, I was uh, thinking the Delev turned on. Yeah, him. because uh, the Delev king, uh, what we knew that he wasn't far behind. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of was thinking, man, there's there's some some stuff going on here. Um, uh, but you know, there there they they said they had some privileged and several thousand men. Um, so then uh, Tamis, you know, he shows up and he says, you know. Uh, you know, if something happened to Capel and her coffin. <laughs> uh, they're you know they're all dead. Um, and you know, Daniel takes offense to that because you know Daniel's thinking more about Capel as you know someone he cares about, and Tamis is thinking more of greater implications. Yeah, and, if, if Capel's dead and her coffin's gone, big Claire's yeah. is coming. So uh, you know, he grabs he grabs him by the lapels and you know says that Capel's more important than Kresimir, which it's like yeah and no <laughs> it's like i you know it's i, I was thinking don't in my head it. when i was thinking in my head uh bane's voice for you <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah exactly <laughs> um, you're a big man for you for you uh i hate i hate the uh it's like drama it's kind of feels like manufactured drama just to create an, uh, some tension and i don't like it um it's not the I worst I've seen. I, I ain't the worst. But Tamis ends up slapping Daniel, telling him to get a hold of himself. Um, Nyla comes in and separates them. Um, and and now poor... we have a, the Powder Mage telenovela. 
telenovela. <laughs> and Tamis gets aggravated at Nyla until like she flames on. <laughs> she, you know, yeah. And um, you know, like her her hands blast a flame, and he's like, Well shit, I can't do nothing about that. But <laughs> just that, you know, saved by the bell, someone announces they found Bo. So they run over to Bo and he's like the area that he's in has been like they, they, they I think it's from Nilo's perspective. It's like been sculpted yeah. by like a giant uh, spade that you use for like uh, you know working in the garden. It's like somebody mm-hmm. tilled up the earth, but like with something huge. Um, and like she was talking about the way it smelled, and I immediately like knew exactly what she was talking about, like a damp cellar. Like I smelt it, and it, it yeah. really helped sell the scene a little bit. Um, you smelt it, but did you dealt it? Uh, Brian McClellan dealt it, uh, <laughs> um, but he's half buried and he's got these like hot rods that are like holding him in place. And they think it's just kind of like holding him to where he can't move. Um, so they bring some horses in to kind of try to pull those out. And it, of course, he says that he he wasn't able to 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 protect little sister is what he calls Capel. So mm-hmm. Daniel runs off looking for her. So Nyla's left there trying to get this done. Um, but what they realize is, you know, they're pulling out some of these poles. Um, but, she, uh, she sees that one of them is like gone through his, like his leg under the knee and, uh, like so gone through his kneecap yeah. and they're, and they're very hot. So she, which I, I was thinking about this, the moment that we were, found out they were hot, I'm like, she's going to use her fire magic in a way to do this, but so she like starts doing fire out of her hands and then to I guess allow her to grab onto the hot and then she pulls it out and it about it about knocks Bo out because yeah. of the pain. Um but yeah, you know, it you know uh to pull that one out, uh, you know, it is it is revealed of course that Capel and her package have been taken and Taniel uh goes after her. Um, and Nyla doesn't understand because this is from Nyla's pra- uh perspective. She doesn't know what they're talking about when they say the package, the package. Also, uh, it was a very strong privilege to attack Bo, and nobody thought that there was any strong privilege left on the cast side. So that's another thing that made He said her, too. I don't think it was Rosalia, Um, though. No, and I think Rosalia at this point would probably be on their side. Agreed. Um. But that's another thing that made me think it might have been another somebody else other than the Kez, but maybe working with the Kez, but I didn't know. Um but but Bo is sent to the Delev army to be healed. Like they 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 fast track him to them to try to get him healed. And, and apparently I didn't know this before, but the Delev privileged are like really good at healing. Yeah, because they healed they helped heal uh Gabriel. Tam- yeah, yeah, and, that's right. And Tamas, yeah, yeah. Um after alvation so yeah but so then tamas intends he makes his intentions that he wants to use nyla because he hasn't sent nyla with Bo. he says you you stay here i'm going to use you to destroy the kez since yeah, he realizes totally. the kez the kez have attacked under the white flag and you know that that really makes him mad um yeah and he even says like there's a lot of things in the military that you know like customs that he thinks are stupid or snobbish or whatever like yeah. he doesn't give examples but he's like the the white flag truce like you're a piece of crap if you yeah like you're an absolute piece of crap if you you break that yeah, exactly yeah um, he says in in quote i'm going to unleash you on the kez 
Yep. Uh, chapter 23. Uh, so we have Daniel, he's writing after the Kez and um, he's, he, you know, he's, he's kind of worried in a way that like, he's like, he's looking to see if Capel's like dead on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the thing is, how do they even know that she is the one that's holding on to holding up, you know, like, you know, you made it, you made it, you were talking about how Daniel kind of revealed that they know something about Kresimir's uh, like incapacities at the moment mm-hmm. but if they attacked and stole Capel that makes me think that they knew that to begin with before that even happened so did if it is the Kez and this was orchestrated ahead of time and whatever Taniel said did, didn't really do the damage that Tamis thought it was doing and in those negotiations Ippoli also has the gall to say his spies have told him you know stuff about nyla being an apprentice and not very strong so he's got spies in the camp and he makes it known so yeah i i agree um they probably already knew that yeah and i mean this Um, is just kind of proof of that if it is if it is indeed the kez and i think it may not be the kez but i definitely think it was orchestrated by the kez yes I, i do believe that and uh they wouldn't take capable if they didn't know yeah um but then uh um you know he finds he notices that there's some grenadiers waiting to ambush him uh at this at this uh uh farm like place and uh i'm gonna interrupt you just a second they do they have kept it close to chest though because nyla doesn't know what they're talking about no no they don't Um, so so if somebody's a spy it has to be pretty close even now yeah my guess guess is probably it may be Halanska. Because he saw what Capel did. Could be. To um, and, and he still hadn't been found either. So Exactly. So it may not be a spy. It may be Holanska. Continue, sorry. Um, but he's able to take down all of them. You know, he 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 takes down all these uh grenadiers before they can ambush him, except for one. And he, you know, he's he's asking one for answers and he doesn't realize he forgot about another one. And that other one has him dead to rights until all of a sudden you know, wham bang, he kind of gets hit and falls, uh, and you know, blood splattered out of his neck or head. One, and he knows and, who it is because there's only, yep. And uh, I knew, I knew this was going to happen too. But yeah. he he knows who it is because there's only one other uh, powder mage who is capable of doing what just happened. And and I knew it at the very beginning of the chapter because he said he mentioned <laughs> something about he mentioned something about nobody could catch him like he was like i'm sure Daniel's sending someone after me but nobody's gonna be able to catch me uh mm. other than powder mages and i'm like oh well blora's gonna show up uh, so and so sure enough yep it's blora gabriel who he still doesn't know is his uncle and and others they show up to help him and and they let him know that he's been promoted to colonel as well so, so that i guess that he could technically be the lead on the on the thing yeah um uh, but Vlora also says Tamas said that he deserved it. Um, so Vlora shows up, and a little bit later, three uh, powder majors show up, uh, a little company of rifle jacks, and Big Gav. Big Gav. So, and uh, <laughs> one thing I'd like to note here is that the Kez camps are south of the uh, Adrian camp. Yeah. But this whole chase is going west. Yeah. So they're yeah. not going towards the Kez camp. So Daniel's thinking in his head, you know, once they get to this big forest, the, I think it's called the Black Tar Forest, they're going to cut south um, to make it back to the Kez camp. But yeah. 
no indication of that. But also, I'd like to note that this chapter felt like a copy and paste from uh, when Gabriel got taken by the Kez and Tam yeah. Tamis rode like mad. mad. And yeah. it's the same thing here. Like, Taniel's like all night going, going, going yeah. riding. But yeah, there's he's, a lot way, of... he's way more prepared than Tamis was. He's like, yeah. he's got like, uh, he's, he's making little stops. Yeah. And he's got two rifles, four powder horns. Like, he's prepared. And he's younger too, so he he, he can handle it a little bit better. Exactly. Um, you yeah, know, he, the, he he has he also hasn't played a ton of D and D, but the the D and D he's played, he knows if he's going to go off on his own, he better be pretty freaking prepared. Yeah, he 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 may have played one of those assisted ones, you know, more like yeah. a a Mansions of Madness, you know, where it's the he is kind of like an app that's helping you along the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, the game dipped our beans every time we played. I love that game. That's my favorite one to play. Is it like I, I love as much as I love role playing games that kind of let you be kind of roaming, free roaming? Mm -hmm. I, I like a little bit of a structure, and I think Mansions of Madness uh, gives you a little bit more structure. Like games like Mansions of Madness, when you when it's kind of run through an app or something. Did you ever it, play that Gloomhaven game they played? No, I didn't. They were playing a game right around when I left called Gloomhaven. It was like a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I didn't play it, but I remember it. Yeah. I never played it either. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I I like... that, And, see, that's kind of why I like Dominion more than Magic, because there's a little bit more structure to what's happening. But that's there's, just me learning. I don't think there's more structure. I think that there's just a fine a, a much more finite number of cards yeah it's more contained everything's more contained yeah within, yeah. yeah um and so like and that's just me like getting in and, and learning you know i mean i think after a while i'm sure dominion probably would get boring and it, you would want to advance on to something like magic so one thing i will say like you know I, you know i play i'm a big magic player a new set just came out and i'm just like so i'm so tired like I don't want to learn anything new right now. Like no, and I just I can't keep up at the moment. Like I, it's, I bet it's, you, it's been too much for me lately. I bet you, you know how Pathfinder was created. You know because people were tired of like D and D keep changing and everything. Mm -hmm. I can see something like that happening with Magic. Like a whole different company comes out but adopt some of the old stuff and like listen, these are the cards. We're not going to add any more new cards. It's going to be this for the entirety of time. Well, and that's one of the reasons I play Eternal formats in Magic. Like, uh, you've yeah. got Standard, which is, you know, like the most recent three sets or something like that. The most yeah. recent Euro set. <clears throat> I play Modern, which is like the most recent, like 20 years of sets. Oh, okay. Got you. And, but they're, they're printing cards that are just way too overpowered. Every set, every set, every set. So it's actually changing Modern with every set now. So yeah, yeah. it's just been that's too much for me lately. Maybe we should get together and make a make a new a new game. Disney's doing it. Lorcana. All righty, chapter twenty four. Tamis is pissed off <laughs> that Kez would attack under a truce. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess I jumped the gun on it. This is where he talks about the other stuff being snobbish in the military, yeah. but not. He is the first. The first three words are Tamis was livid. <laughs> Tamis was livid. Uh, oh, 
Pierre. Ow, baby. Um, <laughs> I want Matt Mitchell to be the person who who narrates these books from now on. Dude, I'm telling you, man. About every other week, me and Sam want to drive up to uh, Jasper to go to trivia, hosted by Matt Mitchell. Oh, he does it. Yeah, he hosts the trivia at uh, Tallulah Brewing Company. Uh, we we just bought uh, it was a bundle, but we were mainly trying to get that that book that they made the y'all wise for y'all like the kids book. Oh, I hadn't seen that one. It's like a bunch of books that are for kids, but they're like southern related. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, he does a commercial for them, and they're so fun, or a advertisement for them, and it's funny. Um, but so uh, this this chapter is really a a big one between him and Olam. Uh, his, mm-hmm. you know, Olam's questioning his ability to be a bodyguard and a colonel at the same time. And Tamis is like, I don't have time to fool. Like, I, I understand where Olam is coming from because, like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of an Olam type person. Like, I'm, I, I'm kind of like, are you sure? But I can understand how that can get annoying really quick. Yeah. And so Daniel's Tamis is kind of just like, look, listen, you, you're, <laughs> you're going to be, you know, you're gonna be my bodyguard, and you're gonna take the best men from both the seventh and the ninth. And we're going to form a new seventh and they're all going to be my bodyguards. <laughs> basically. He's and like, he's, this he's, is how you're going to be a Colonel. You're going to, you're going to be a Colonel and you're going to like it. You're going to lead the new seventh and y'all all going to be my bodyguards. <laughs> I think he called them the something, something of somethings. <laughs> it was like a long name. Um, I want to find and, it now. Keep going. Yeah. You, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but then we'd switch over and, and uh, you know, Olam has gathered all the senior officers that are left. Um, and Marshall's own rifle jack brigade. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly that rolls off the tongue, you know. Um, so Tamis arrives and they're all sitting there, and he doesn't say a word. He kind of just lets them stew, and it's like they're just like they're the general like, staff. That is the he, the new yeah. general staff, like all the leadership of the army yeah. post Ned's Creek. Yeah, and like one of them raises their hands and they're like, "Oh yeah," and Olam goes out the front and like leaves them. And one of them raises their hands after a few minutes and was like, "Are we waiting on somebody?" <laughs> and like, yeah. And then you hear like the horses approaching, and then bam, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. The Dale of King shows up and and um, you know, he comes <laughs> up there. And it's it's funny that they they mention that the um. Nobody like kneels for him. They all just give him a nod because Adro has become like the beacon for uh, anti-monarchy in right. this world. So they're not going to, they respect him, but they're not going to give like, they're not going to act that way again. They're not going to allow themselves to to act that way. And Tamis says that as a point of pride and like he says yep. it internally. And yep. also he was afraid that by that reaction, the Delev King would not, give his support but yeah. he didn't seem but, offended by it and he yeah. gives he says you know he's going to yeah. support him this is kind of like a re reinforcement you know this is in uh, light of the wings of adam leaving and that's what this yeah. whole meeting's about you know we just lost the wings of adam Here's they left the like a token they left like a token regiment you know yeah. maybe maybe 10 people i don't know it's just like a here's the situation you know yeah and he says that we're going to go on the offensive. Now mm-hmm. we're going to go after him. And that's when you know, the King of Delev says, you know, I, he gives him his entire support. 
And that's where we get the line from the cover of the book. You know, I'd die for my country, but I'd rather kill for it. So it was, it was really cool. Ready your troops. We march. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a short, sweet little chapter. Uh, chapter 25, Adamat arrives in Adapest. Now this one, man, I felt a lot of emotions in this, in this chapter. It really got me. So he, you know, he's right there at a pass and he's seen a lot of the churches that are being destroyed by Claremont and he starts to get angry and he mm -hmm. starts to second guess not taking uh, Tamas up on his offer to right. try to stop him. Um, and, uh, but, you know, he, he, he gets to the house and he gets close to the door and he kind of takes a moment to think about, you know, you know, he wants to see his wife, but he's going to have to tell her what's going on, you know. To, to however, however much information he gives her, he doesn't have Joseph, you know, and so he's getting mentally prepared for that, but he realizes he doesn't hear any sounds. There's no sounds coming from the house. And I, I started to like really tense up and I, I was too. really getting worried. It was yeah. so the way they wrote it, the way Brian McLennan wrote this was very like, you felt the dread uh, more um, because of what we know from the past and what's happened mm -hmm. with Adam at. Another um, thing, as he's riding in town, he says that Adipest looks a lot smaller, and he couldn't put his finger on it until he realizes that the the cathedral, which was huge, yeah, uh, was demolished. So you know, Adipest's skyline, for lack of a better word, looks a lot less imposing than it used to. Yeah. So it it's yeah it's it sucks. And, you know, and he even said in the last book, you know, he's not really a religious person, but it's it's more of an attack on the culture. Uh, right uh, of of Adipus and the and just the way Adipus is um <clears throat> but Margie opens the door that I think she was she wasn't she that seamstress that he she used was, in the last yeah. book mm -hmm. um and she's there with Faye and she leaves and, and you you find out that uh Ricard had had offered a governess to take the kids and watch them so they're at the park right now and and Adamat doesn't really like that. He's like, are you sure that's safe and all that stuff? But um, Adamat tells her that Joseph's dead. He doesn't really go into any more detail about it, about what's going on. He just says, you know, she's dead. And they have a, a really, you know, hard moment, you know, where she's having to deal with it and he's dealing with it. And mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, they're crying about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a rough, it, it's a rough little scene. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, uh, he he mentions uh adamant mentions that you know he has a kind of agreed to help ricard in in an election and she gets mad about it you know even though he refused you know other things she's like but you still are doing you know you're still kind of not caring about your family uh you're putting the country ahead of it and stuff she wants to kind of just leave get out of adipest and go somewhere and get away from all this mm -hmm. um but then sue smith arrives and and it's funny because you know, there's all this dread that he had associated with meeting his his or getting back to his wife because of what he had to tell her. But I just feel the glee of, like radiating off him when he realized Sue Smith was there. Yeah. It was it was kind of funny to me. Um, he was very happy to see his his buddy. And um, I thought it was just weird, though, that he showed up because he didn't know Adam at was back. No, um, he it was kind of convenient timing. Mm -hmm. Um but he, he, he arrives saying that the holy warriors of labor has been bombed. Now, there, here's a point that I want to make. He says the holy warriors of labor. 
later on in the chapter they say the noble warriors of labor which one is it is it the holy or the or the noble or are they interchangeable amongst the people because holy and noble mean two different things <laughs> i think we're uh you know picking straws but yeah i think it's another one of those what was it earlier norport earlier? norport and norpoint yep there's another one of those um who, who refers to all right all the busy So maybe it's who's saying it because Sue Smith says the holy warriors of labor. Yeah. And when we see noble warriors of labor, it is an internal monologue of Adamat. Yeah. So maybe it's just a perspective thing. I don't I don't know. Maybe but, so. Maybe but it so. is an inconsistency that I also did notice. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Um so we kind of jump forward a little bit and they're in the cab heading towards where Ricky Teabags' place is, the place that just got bombed. By the and, way, this is the first time we've called him Ricky Teabags all episode. I meant to make a comment about that because the first chapter we kept calling him Ricard. And I'm like, this is weird, man. It is weird. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they're on their way and and uh, uh, Sue Smith and Adam Ad are having a little bit of a conversation. He's asked, you know, he, he asked, you know, has he been boxing and he because he mentions that he'd been working with his brother and he's like so you have have you not boxed since i've been gone and he's like no and it, they realize the proprietor has suspended boxing matches and a lot of things because of the death of the eunuch and that's mm-hmm. that has affected the way the proprietor cannot can operate and um it's not something i thought about but he definitely needs a front face that he can really trust yeah and so that's which I thought there was like a second command that we saw, but I guess that person isn't as trustworthy. It was a second command that showed up during the Vetus thing after the, after the Vetus. Gotcha. But I don't remember who he was. Uh, I don't quite remember that, but that just shows the lack of importance put on that person. Yeah. Um, But they arrive out and, and from the outside, from the front of the, the holy warriors of labor place it you know it doesn't it seems pretty untouched other than like a some windows are blown out but then like you can you know when you once you get inside you can kind of see that it's all messed up from the back the back side of the i think it was the dock side of it is really messed up um and the commissioner's there this is the first time that i think we have uh heard of her or seen her uh, i hadn't heard there. of a police commissioner the whole time no um and so, but they, they let Adam Ad in because Adam Ad, you know, is an old, is, used to be a, you know, a detective and, and he still has friends there. So they let him in. He finally finds Ricard outside <laughs> uh, after kind of inspecting all the destruction. And he's like deaf in one ear now because, you know, I guess that, that was the side of his head that was where the bomb went off. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost 14 people died. Uh, several are injured. He lost a lot of bank notes and like union documents. Thousands and, of documents, uh, millions of bank notes. The Goldsmith and Miller's union leaders are dead. Yeah. And uh, uh, Darillo. He lost Darillo. Oh, not yeah. J- not Jason Darillo, but Darillo. When I, whenever I, you know, when me and Matt used to work at the same company, you know, there's a lot of software part to our company. I don't delve in it, but there's a, a section of the company that does software. And I would see people write on the 
on the whiteboard, J-S-O-N, Jason. And I, every time I saw that, I wanted to come up next behind it and put Derulo. Jason Derulo. But I still, I I still work at Jason's, baby. Jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, when he when he said Derulo, I was like, what does that mean? Am I supposed to know what that means? And then like, I kept reading. I'm like, oh, okay. They explain it later. But it was one of those moments where it's like, did I miss something? <laughs> like it must be Ricky T-Bags, T bags, man. Gotta love him. It was his he, bar, it was his bartender. Yeah, it was his 14 bartender. 14 years. I feel like if I existed in this world, I would want to be Ricky T-Bags. Like he's living the life, except for the bombing, that I would want to live. Like he's got this big business, he runs it, he mm-hmm. kind of operates it. He's got this place where like he's got a bartender in it. And like just everything that he does is the life that I want to have. But on the side note, I'd like to be adamant and like be investigating crap too. I think I'd like to be Bo, like have the power, you know, but also be like pragmatic and like he hasn't lost his humanity despite being like powerful, you know. Yeah, he's lost a little bit of it. Yeah, as opposed to to Daniel. Yeah, I feel like Daniel's kept his humanity, but he's slowly losing it as we go further into. I also feel like Daniel's a little bit of a brat. Oh yeah. yeah, a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I would I would want to be a bow. Yeah. It, Which if, seems if, stupid because of course you want to be a bow. He's got the power, but like and he's got that's the not, that's well, it's not even that. That's not why like <laughs> he has lost some of his humanity, but he he's still rooted in it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I like about him. There's a very real aspect about Bo yeah. that I like. Like that, I if you could combine Adam and Ricky T Bags, that's who I would be. Plus, he fuzz the women. He fuzz the women. Uh, but but Ricky tasks Adam at. He's like, I want you to find out who did this. So there you go. Adamat's all up in it again. <laughs> you can't get Adamat's back, baby. Adamat. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that you know, it, it's a crazy turn of events. Um. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who do you, I mean, who could it be? <laughs> I mean, we, we, I, you know, I think we're led to believe it could be a certain somebody, but I, it can't be as straightforward as that. If it's as straightforward as Claremont, I'm, that's going to be silly. I'm going to bust a nut on that book and send it <laughs> back to Brian McClellan. Tonight we busted. <laughs> <laughs> So chapter 26, uh, you know, Daniel has ridden hard after the Kez. He, um, so hard that he doesn't even realize how late it is. This is kind of going back to that, like, Tamas thing. Um, it's almost midnight, and, like, his powder trance has made him think that the sun just went down. And so Vlora, like, hey, we got to stop. And he's like, we still got, we guess. Why? Yeah, we still got all this daylight. And he's like, it's midnight. <laughs> um, and uh, so... So yeah, Vlor makes him stop. Uh, he says it's dark. There's plenty of light to see. And Gavril says, you're running a damn powder trance. You've been running it too long. Can't tell the night from day. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so they make camp and, and Gavril comes up and offers some food. Gavril kind of acts the way he did with Tamas a lot while they were trapped behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start talking and Gavril's hinting at the fact that he's his uncle, but he's not kind of getting there yet. And I didn't know that he didn't know. I guess I did know because of shoulder crown. No, yeah sorry yeah but yeah I so, so, think, so i just didn't think about it so daniel's this. thinking of him as this mountain watch drunk mm-hmm. and but we know that he's more than that mm-hmm. um 
So they talk, you know, and uh, Laura shows up and she asks to speak to Tanya alone. And Gabriel's like, well, I got to piss anyway. So he gets up and leaves and goes to do that. And Laura is, you know, this is the first time they're really having a conversation again. Since promise um, of blood. Yeah. And uh, in, in that conversation, even one really wasn't that great. I was like, um, you suck. No, you do. And then they left. But she, but she says she's sorry. They kind of, they, they have this thing. And he, and Tanya realizes that she thinks that he was out there betting Capel the whole time. And that made what she did justified. So she probably doesn't understand why he is so mad about finding her in the arms of someone else. I didn't she, take it like that. I didn't take it like that. I took it like uh, she she was legitimately sorry for it, and she legitimately thinks it's a mistake. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And Taniel believes that, but then Taniel is starting to see the other side of things, not yeah. just from his perspective. Yeah, but I think, but I think that does play into it because he, I don't think he, he knows that he and Capel haven't been a thing until more recently. But, but she from the doesn't. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't, and, and yeah, that's what he's starting to realize is that it he, he you could make the argument that it was seemed hypocritical how he was acting, mm -hmm. and I think he's starting to realize that. So he's trying to do all that stuff. So, um, and he he's also encouraged Tamas to forgive Laura, but I think yeah. that that was more because he had moved on. Yes, and yeah. he's realizing that Laura has Laura hasn't completely moved on. Yeah. And then see, Flora says, you know, she swears that they'll they'll get Capel back. And during that whole thing, you know, while they're kind of having a, a heated little the, the kind of conversation, at one point, uh, Daniel heard a laugh from the woods, and so then you realize that was Gabriel. And Gabriel, you know, reveals that he's been eavesdropping because when she says we swear we'll get Capel back, Daniel says why, and that's when Gabriel's like because she loves you, you dumb shit. Mm. Um, and then he's about, Tanya's about to get up and like cut him. And Laura just pulls him down and like, you know what? You've been eavesdropping, you piece of crap. You know what, Tanya, that's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> the DNA test proves. He's your uncle. <laughs> well, how's, you like putting your nose in someone else's business, do you? She said to Gabriel, well, how's this, Tanya? This hairy ass is your uncle. He didn't <laughs> tell you on South Pike because he was too ashamed to be in the mountain watch drunk. And he doesn't tell you now because, well, I don't know kicked him in the small of the back and stormed into the darkness <laughs> yeah and then so, he goes jacola of pinsbrook at your service nephew it was, it was, it was a fun a fun well, chapter i enjoyed it i agree uh one of the other things i thought was funny he goes uh he, when Daniel and gabriel were talking before before Flora joins he goes he's like yeah you don't know anything about my dad and uh he's gabriel makes a choking sound and he says oh crap I, or oh pit i just snorted fantastic rub up my nose and um, he goes, what was that about? I said I accidentally snorted rum. No, I mean when I said you don't know anything about my father. Nothing, nothing, some other time. Yeah. And he and he, he lets, he mentions something about uh, Taniel allowed him to get revenge on the, on the, like the death of his yeah. sister Tamis, or something. Tamis allowed him to have revenge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that was one little clue, I guess. Yeah, he helped him get uh, do something he never thought he'd get the chance to. And he goes, I yeah. spit in the face of the man who murdered my sister. And that, that was, was the it. biggest hint he gave that Yeah. He's yeah. he's yeah. Uncle Gav. Uncle Gade. Um, <laughs> um so chapter twenty seven, Adam at Sue Smith and Commissioner Huey, Huey, um, 
arrive at Skyline. I think this is probably my favorite chapter of this whole thing. Really? I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. We'll get to it. Um, but they arrived to Skyline to meet with Claremont. Um, he's renting the palace from the city because they were kind of like, how are we allowing him to stay here? And the Reeves like, we need money. <laughs> Andreas is like, Andreas is letting him do it because we need money. Um, and uh, so they enter in there and meet with him. He's in this room uh, that I think has a painting to like this two-headed God that they believe in. That brood, his name's Brood. And yeah. it's uh, the patron saint of Brutania. So, of yeah. course, uh, you know, even though uh, Claremont says he's uh, Adrian, uh, yeah. Adamat mentions that, of course, it's fitting. One thing I would like to mention, when they're getting extor- es- escorted, extorted, when they're getting e- escorted up to Claremont, they're being taken through the servants' hallways. And yeah. instead of the main thoroughfare of the castle, that would be much more direct. So... It's just another, or Adamat sees it as an instance of Claremont showing his superiority. Yeah. And I think this is, I mentioned this is the first time that he's at Skyline since the first chapter of the first book. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, Adamat. Um, and he says but, that that was a bad time, but I think he, he also mentions that he prefers it to this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they get in there and, you know, they, they speak with, with Claremont and um, Claremont says that he has nothing to do with the bombing. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, he's like, why would I do that? I mean, it'd be pretty, if I did that, it'd be pretty obvious I did it. And that would just give sympathy to Rickard. So it makes sense in a way, but then also the reverse psychology of it is that's the reason to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know how, where I land on it, but but regardless, Adamat notices that something is weird about him. And mm-hmm. so to, to paint the picture, he's he there's one end of the room that's like all windows. Not weird about him. Weird about yeah. the there's something bothering him about the same. Everything. Yeah. And there's all these windows at one end, and he has his uh Claremont has his face to the to uh to Adamat, yeah, to them and his back. And his the back yeah. And so the sun's coming through the windows, hitting him in the back. Um but yeah, something's odd about the whole situation. Um, he, you know, he walks out leaving Huey uh, and Claremont alone, and he's kind of walking the palace. Um, and they start to get ready to leave, but then Claremont asks to speak to him alone. Uh, so he goes into that room with Claremont. Before that happens, before in the first part when he's there at the beginning, yeah, uh, yeah. when they're greeting. And everything, you know, he says hello to Commissioner uh, Huey, and then he goes, uh, uh, "How are your lovely wife and children?" Yeah, that's how he greets Adamat. How would he? So Adamat sees it for what it is, like, yeah, he knows, he knows yeah. everything that's happened, and he's making Adamat aware that he knows. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of underneath there's a conversation underneath the conversation happening claremont's being very congenial at you know checking if they want breakfast and all that stuff and you know adam at scene right through it but the others aren't um and um but yeah so you know he's uh they after you know they they're getting ready to leave and claremont wants to talk to him alone um you know he says to you know that he hopes they can put the past behind them 
So that, you know, now kind of when they're alone, it's like, now I'm going to be a little bit more open. And I'm going to say, you know, let's just not worry about what happened with Vetus. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think that's going to go over well. Uh, I don't think Adamac can forget that. Um, Definitely not. Especially now that Joseph is what's happening with Joseph. If Joseph had been saved, right, and all the family was back, maybe I could see it. Maybe there's a small I, chance. I don't. But, I don't see it. But it's completely irredeemable now that Joseph Joseph is what's you know up with him. Yeah. Um, Another thing that in this conversation between just Claremont and Adamat, he gets close to Adamat to where he can hear a whisper, yeah. and he goes, "Listen." If I wanted Mr. Tumblr dead, they need to be dead. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so I mean something else is at play here. Um they uh so Adamat finally leaves and I think as they're getting into the cab, Huey tells Adamat that oh can I mention one other thing? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Claremont mentions that somebody will be endorsing him. You know. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah. He he's he's saying, "Why would I want this to happen? I've just landed an incredible endorsement. Everything is, you know, public opinion is in my favor. Why would I want something that would push it towards Rickard?" And and, and then he goes, well, "May I ask who's endorsing you?" Yeah. He says, "You'll find out with the rest of Adro in a few weeks. Uh, if you uh, if you don't mind the saying, I don't want to let the let out the word too early." Yeah. He also mentions, "Why would he? Why would he?" kill Rickard to then since Taniel's technically the running mate to then have Taniel be the one running who yeah, he like would a, rather right right exactly yeah. he would rather run against Rickard than Taniel so part of me was thinking that the person that's going to endorse him like it doesn't make sense but the I'm, I'm trying to three, think I've got three ideas okay I think I only have one and then I don't know and the one that I have is Kresimir but that would, that would make sense. Fourth, that would be a fourth for me. But that wouldn't make any sense because he's been destroying Kresimir's and he's been running on the on the campaign prompt, you know, the campaign theme of what have the gods done for us. But you I know? think that that's the best way he could get Adrin's Adro's favor without being an invader. Yeah. So it might be Kres. I was thinking in uh, in order of how much I think it is lowest to highest. Okay. Um, Andros the Reeve, a public, a public endorsement from the Reeve, not the mm-hmm. pri- not the proprietor, because you know, can't do that. And uh, secondly, the day live. Yeah, I don't see that. Or sorry, I'm going to switch those two up. Day live being the lowest. Yeah. I don't really believe that, but it's just where my mind's going. And this one, I actually think is what it is. I think it's the wings of Adam. Okay. I really do think it's the La- lady. Lady Wenceslav. Yeah, because Vetus was courting Lady Dove. And, and remember how I said in one of the previous episodes on this book, yeah, that the timing of Lady W's appearance on the front, yeah, was a little coincidental with Claremont taking Adipest. Yeah, and with in there, you know, the uh the the tensions and the are pretty high with, between her and Tamis at the moment because mm-hmm. of of that so yeah i i didn't think about that but yeah that's probably right um also oh, etan can i just thought about this etan came back to adipas recently yeah but i don't 
Uh, I don't think yeah, it's him. Yeah. But it's just you know something. Here's another here's another thing. Unless I'm misremembering something, is Charlemagne dead? I don't I don't actually remember. I don't think he is. Or no wait. Did did he get he got killed by Olam, didn't he? No. I don't think so. Because he was on that carriage with that guy. I think, so, I think I think I think Charlemagne died because uh, if Charlemagne died, it was by Tamis. It wasn't by Olam. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But I think it I'm is. Gonna, yeah. I'm gonna look it up though. It wouldn't be him anyway, because that'd be the same as as Kresimir almost, because it's someone from the church. I think it's less likely to be Charlemagne than Kresimir. But I, I think Charlemagne is dead though. Yeah. I think I think Tamis did kill him at the end because. It didn't end with him getting away and Nick Slaus. Nick Slaus was the one who got away in the mm-hmm. in the climax of that book. Uh, Slaus. One I, last yeah, thing, think, yeah. or before you say the big kicker in the in yeah. the chapter, yeah. Um, I believe Claremont. If he wanted Rickard dead, he'd be dead. Yeah, I do too. So I and this is where my mind goes. I think Rickard did it to get public opinion. Oh yeah, I, that I really, I really do. That could be it. Yeah. He wasn't as like shell shocked as I would think he would be. He was shell shocked, but yeah. He lost hearing in one ear. But I yeah, just he find was... it hard for him to not have died in that explosion. Yeah, the, yeah. He he was conveniently placed to where he would be hurt, but not mortally. Right. And so um, I think it I think it was so uh self-fabricated. Which makes it even more muddy because we know it makes it makes it harder to like because people died. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I still I still think Rickard is the good guy here, but that's, I think he that, is. That she, yeah, oh yeah. Um, interesting, interesting. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I yeah I think those are two pretty good predictions that Rickard did it himself, and that um. Lady Winslow's lab is going to be the um, going to be the uh, uh, endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so before they leave, um, Huey basically says that we know that Claremont didn't do it because we secretly have a knack that can tell when people tell the truth or when they lie. So they're like, "Yeah, he he didn't do it." Um, based on that, um, Adamat realizes all of a sudden what was odd about Claremont and that was that the sun was coming in from the windows but Claremont was not casting a shadow so there's another anything do we know anything about any arcana in this world of a being that would do that I don't think we've heard anything like that I mean I think you'd have to go back my first thought is he's another one of Kresimir's brothers um Mm. But I, but you'd have to go back and see. Did was there any time in Promise of Blood or the Crimson Campaign where a shadow was mentioned uh, when referencing uh, Mahali or Kresimir? Not that <clears throat> I recall. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that maybe was my Ma- first thought. Maybe Mahali. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, he he was not uh, casting a shadow. So, how could something physically be there without a shadow? I don't know. 
I was trying to think of the science of it, which might lead to what it is or what he is. Um, I was just, I think it's funny. I was just thinking of vampire. <laughs> which you know why? So that, that that goes into like reflections, right? Mm-hmm. And you do you know that today? I, I heard this the other day. Um, today's mirrors, uh, you would see, you'd be able to see a vampire. Why is that? Because what kept them from being reflective was that um, mirrors back in the day used to be, I think the back of them were lined with like real silver and the silver was keeping it from happening. But today's mirrors don't aren't lined with silver. Hmm. So, so that's, that's, that's today's mirrors. You would be able to see a, a vampire. <laughs> but that was my, that was, yeah, that right there was the most interesting detail to it. Yeah. Of it. But too. there's, of the whole section yeah see that's that's what i'm saying i love this chapter because it created so many (coughs) who's the endorsement who who bombed him if he didn't um uh and 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 what is claremont you know Mm -hmm. now that you know we know he's not casting a shadow um it it could be something with the room it might not be claremont it could be something with the room there could there could be an enchantment on him he could be using magic or something so um Maybe he could even he's... be doing something to prevent Adamat's memory, and he might just be misremembering it, something like that. Yeah, since Adamat has a um, perfect memory, um, he could be doing something that affects his knack. Um, so yeah, so final chapter, chapter twenty-eight. Uh, <clears throat> Bayon, ha- uh, <clears throat> we kind of I skipped over this in a few chapters ago, chapter twenty-five. Um, no, no, it was chapter twenty-four. Um, he, when, the, when when Tamis was meeting with the senior staff, yeah. staff, Bayon was trying to get in the tent because he wanted to talk to Tamis. Yeah, and Tamis goes quietly restrain him. Yes. <laughs> so Bayon speaks with him, and he doesn't believe his father would attack under a white flag of truth. He's like, my father may be many things, but he he has the sense of decorum when it comes to you know things like that. He um, also didn't believe that his father would have done what he did on the planes and alvation but he did do it anyway he did do it anyway and then i think he re- i think he came to terms with that though i don't think yeah. bayon was in denial about that but he said that he did that based on <clears throat> bayon didn't but the people in alvation said that he did that because of the influence of duke nixlaus right nixlaus is not there anymore so I don't know. He brings up a good point, though, that actually makes me believe him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what it is. You keep going. I'll look for it. Uh, Tamas gets a report of these Kez ambushings, and, you know, they're happening to the west. Is that right? Or they're happening to the west, I believe? Yeah, they're heading towards that forest to the west, and Bayon says they would have gone straight south. Yeah. Uh, And then he gets a report that the Kez camp has packed up and is retreating. And Tamis is like, it's exactly what I think they're doing. He he attacked under the, the white flag of truce. Um, and now he's backing up to delay us from getting to him to to pull to pull this out longer so that it'll give them time to awaken Kresimir. Uh, you know, to that's why they stole Capel. So mm-hmm. from from Tamis's narrative, everything that's happening is further, further um you know, proving that to be true in his in his perspective. But after the conversation with Bayon, Bayon doesn't say it. It's something that he thinks. 
he said there's something that bothered him. Ippoli would have had to have known that De La Forces were on their way. He must have known, he, or he he must know that De La had already invaded Kez from the northwest. Why would he dare such a raid against the Adrian camp? Yeah. Yeah. And um <coughs> and he said uh, the same conclusion comes up when he thinks about it. He had somehow learned a capo in her power over Kresmir and get, gambled everything on the capture. Yeah. So see, this is what makes like I said, all I need is a good mystery. And if you can give me several mysteries to make me make my mind wonder, um, I'm happy. And so this whole section gave us a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mystery happening here. How did the kids know about Capel? Do they even know about Capel? Is it just by chance that they stole her? Um, you know, are they really the ones that attacked? Are the Della really helping? Or are they kind of tricking Adro? Um, again, everything with Claremont. It. And uh, Sulem hasn't really given us reason to believe that. No, no. Um, but yeah, th- these are a lot, really a, a lot of cool chapters. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to keep going. Really. Um, and real quick before we, uh, this, one, I'll, I'll probably... did we mention that uh, one of the uh, Adrian dragoons came in to report after Bayon had left that. Um, uh, they the were attacked. Up? No, the the kids oh. attacked them north of the camp. And, yeah, and they uh, um, surprised them, and they lost a colonel. Yeah, yeah. Said Gill's fellows north of us. Uh, how did they get mm-hmm. behind us, and what the pit are they doing so far? Uh, the thirty six has been badly mauled, and their major has lost all his messengers. Gave me a report for you. Marquez in the distance, about eight miles northwest of here, uh, look like dragoons, at least a regiment of them. Um, he's trying to win superiority of the plains. He must have sent all his remaining cavalry north uh, after the parlay. Jeez. Yeah. So it looks like everything's kind of going to shit. Gone to shit. <clears throat> Gone to shit. Um. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff. Um. All right. So yeah, next, uh, next week we'll be covering chapters twenty nine through thirty seven of the Autumn Republic. So we hope to see you then. <laughs>